of God's Word. It's found in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, verse 1 through 5. And Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener, and he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You have already been cleaned because you are already clean because of the word I have spoke, spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And God add a blessing to the reading of his word. Thank you so much. I've got two commercials and a prayer request. Uh, the two commercials are that next week we'll be taking an offering for another church. Um, we'll be taking an offering and we'll be sending it off to Indiana. We just found out this week that one of our Wesleyan churches was nearly totally destroyed, the building at least, um, was nearly totally destroyed by those tornadoes that came through. And um, it slipped past me, so I thanked Dennis Sanderson for letting us know about that. But uh, we're going to take a special offering. This would be above and beyond any tithes and offerings. And if you want to give a little bit uh, back to this church, um, and I say back to because we give into a denomination. And if we were ever damaged by an earthquake, if we were ever um, a natural disaster ever were to happen to us, this church in a heartbeat wouldn't think twice about taking an offering. And so we want to do the same thing for them. We want to help provide for our uh, brothers and sisters across the country and even across the world like we do with missions every month. The second thing, Easter's coming up. How many of you knew that? Easter's coming up. Okay. Now, most of you didn't raise your hands, so Easter is coming up. So, you know, first, first uh, week there of April, we are having a 1030 service. The last few years, we've had um, very little attendance in our 9.15 service, and so we want to consolidate, and we're even bringing in our 6 p.m. service, and we just want to have one big celebration day. And we want to invite you to bring out your friends where they're going to hear the gospel. And, and this is a day where if you invite people to church, they'd go, oh, okay, I'll go. And so you bring them to church. Uh, our children are doing something amazing um, they're doing uh, this Easter egg hunt, but mixed in, there'll be messages about Jesus and things like that. Now, the next thing that we're going to do is we're just going to take a moment and pray. Um, Janine just came to me and, and told me about Herman's younger brother, um, Claudio, who suffered a heart attack this Thursday, or he, this week, and this Thursday will be having um, bypass surgery. And he's young, he's in his 40s, his young 40s. And so, can we just take a moment and uh, pray? for the Codnier family and for Herman and his brother. Please pray with me. Father, we thank you so much um, for your love. God, we thank you that you are a God who heals. We thank you that you are a God who knows our every concern, our every want, and our every need. And God, we just ask that you be with Claudio right now. God, that you put your hand on him. God, that you would uh, be with the doctors and the surgeons and that you would guide and lead them. And Father, through this surgery, he would uh, he'd be healed. So God, we ask that your guidance. We ask for strength for the family, that he would be ministered to by the Cottonier family. And God, that during this time of trial and suffering, God, you would simply show your presence in this situation. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
Now, I know this is an awkward transition, but there was a picture that Matt didn't show you from the Freak Seek. And there was this creepy guy walking around. Matt can put that picture. Is it up there? Is, is it up there? There was this creepy gentleman walking around. I don't know where he came from. But uh, he was a part of the Freak Seek, too. Do you guys know who that guy is? That's me. And I gotta tell you, it was a lot of fun walking around Universal City Walk wearing that. It was. Anyways, let's, let's get moving here. We are in the last week of our I Am series. We've traveled through and traversed through all these I Am statements of Jesus. And of course, going all the way back to the beginning of our series, Jesus is making these pronouncements about himself. He's making these claims about himself that correlate with this earlier claim, way back in the book of Exodus, where Moses says to God, he's talking face to bush, the burning bush, it would be face to face, but God just showed a burning bush, face to bush with God, and, and he says, who should I say sent me? And he says, tell them I am sent me, the I am who I am, meaning my character will be revealed by my actions. I am who I am sent you. A name that's so mysterious, a name that can't be controlled, a God that is above all gods, I am. And so now we see Jesus, and, in, and even in one part in John chapter 5, Jesus comes walking out on the water during the storm, and he says, it is I, which is literally translated to, it is I am. In other words, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, revealed to you. And as we lead up to Easter this year, I thought this series was so important because it is so important to reveal the character of God so that we could better worship and more intimately follow him. I am the bread of life. I am the God that provides for you the new manna, the revealed God. I am the light of the world, the one who gives light to your path. I am the gate and the shepherd. The good shepherd, not just the shepherd. There's a lot of shepherds. We talked about this. There's a lot of shepherds out there. Not all of them are necessarily good. In fact, shepherds were even known as highway bandits because they were out on the road and just they would steal things. But Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, the one who leads you to these greener pastures. I am he. And then we saw last week, or uh, two weeks ago, he's talking to his friend, um, or he's talking to his disciples, and he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And then he raises his friend Lazarus up from the dead. And then last week we talked about, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And we saw this realization that God, that truth is personal. And that we can only know truth by getting an intimate connection with this person. And what I love about this I am statement that we're going to talk about today is that it sort of sums all these up into this personal and intimate connection with God. But before we do that, I want to talk about these two items. One, I've got my cell phone, which is pretty awesome. I can text with it. I can make phone calls. I can tweet. I tweet all the time. If you, know, if you guys don't tweet, you can get on Twitter and tweet me. We can all tweet together. <laughs> I do Facebook. I take pictures. I take video. Um, and every night, I, I've got this charger, whoops, 
I promise this was plugged in. I've got this charger by my bed, and because every night it gets down to about like 20%, and so I've got to charge it back up, and I'm good for the whole day. I can walk around, I can travel, I, can even, I even listen to the radio online. Um, I listen to everything. Um, I listen to my Bible sometimes when, it's, when you get in those chunks of Exodus and it's really hard to read, and so I listen to it, and there's this guy, Marilyn, you'd love it, there's this guy, he's, he's like British, and he's like, and they made the ark out of acacia wood, and it's <laughs> amazing. But anyways, I've got to plug in to get charged up every week, I plug in, and sometimes when I'm in my car, I plug in, I, I charge it up because it, the battery keeps going dead. Eventually, the battery dies on this thing. But I mean, it's good, it works, it's cool, but I gotta plug it in all the time. Remember when cell phones used to last an entire week? This is progress, by the way. <laughs> I gotta plug it in. And in order for this to work, it needs to be plugged into a source of power. I mean, it could last a little bit, but then it starts to limp and hobble and, and have a hard time, and then I need to plug it back in again, or else it won't work. This lamp over here, oh, it's a beautiful lamp, right? I'm, that joke is primarily for my brother. None of you uh, got it. It's from Christmas Story. What a marvelous lamp. It's a major award. This lamp does not function. Now you got it. Good job. The movie is from 1983. It's 28 years old. It's almost 29. Um, this lamp cannot function unless it's plugged in. In fact, if you unplug it, it ceases to serve its function. It needs a source of power. It needs to be hardwired in to the wall. Well, not really hardwired. It needs to be plugged in to its source of power in order for it to work. I mean, this over here, you could, you could take this and you could travel around. This week I went to San Diego, and by the time I was like halfway back from San Diego, I had to plug it back into my car because I was down to like 15% battery life. And so I had to plug it back in, charge it back up. When I'm in the car, that's when I do all my phone calls. So anyways... You could go for a little bit here, and it could still be a phone, but it sort of limps around a little bit. Whereas this thing, it's plugged into the wall. It always works. It needs to stay, proximity-wise, it needs to stay near power. Proximity-wise, that could leave power. This needs to stay near power. Do you get what I'm saying here? Let's get into this verse. John chapter 15. I'm going to read all 17 verses um, so just listen. Even if it helps you to close your eyes, if it helps you to read it, if it helps you to look on the screen where it should be, just, just go ahead and do that. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that you will bear even more, or so that it will be even more fruitful. You already clean, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No, bear, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain on the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you could do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, 
thrown into the fire and burned. If, you're, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remained in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be, so that, I'm sorry, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask for in my name. This is my command. Love each other. There is a lot to cover here. And in fact, we could probably spend tons of time covering all this. In fact, if you come to like a Sunday school class, we could probably start at 7 a.m. and cover this and just come to the services at 10.30. But we're not going to do that today. We're not going to get super deep into it. And instead... In your bulletin, there's a, a thing called the guide to abide, because this word remain it was translated, and, and some of the translators think that the word remain is better than abide, because we don't really use the word abide as much anymore, which is okay, but I really like that older version, the older version that says, abide in me, and I will abide in you. I love that version. So there is a guide to abide in your, in your bulletins, and yes... I had tons of fun rhyming that. Um, But there's a guide to abide. And what really struck me about this verse is that he's making this point to the 12 disciples that if you want to remain in him, that you need to be close to the vine. That you need to be close to the source of... Of power. I mean, we say this in church all the time, right? I used to go to church, I used to go to that church, but I just didn't really feel like they filled me up. You know, they, you're acting like this. You're like, okay, I'm going to come to church on Sunday for my source of power, and then I'm going to disconnect and go throughout the week and, and rely on my batteries, and then I'm going to come back to church on Sunday and plug in. And that'll last the hour, of, ser- or the hour of, of service time will last a whole week. That'll last the whole time. But instead, Jesus says, abide in me. Stay close to the source of power. Stay close to the vine. Now, what strikes me is the question, what makes a disciple? What, makes it, what are the distinctive marks of a disciple? If you look all through Scripture, now there's all these different things about disciples that Jesus teaches about discipleship, about learning what it's like to follow Jesus, but the true mark of a disciple. Hi, Lucy. She saw me right when I was about to make the point. So I have to build it back up again. It's okay. The true mark of a disciple 
is that they are simply with their teacher. Is that they are simply with Jesus. And we like to plug in and walk away. And rely on our batteries. And then come back and go to church. And we might even say, I just need to recharge my batteries. It's okay if you're talking about vacation. But church and, and Jesus is a little bit different. You need to be plugged into the source of power at all times. This is what Jesus is talking about with the vine. Israel really understood and knew this whole notion of the vine. Um, if you want, uh, flip with me all the way back to Psalm chapter 80, um, verses uh, 8 through 4. I'm sorry, 8 through 14. 8 through 4 would be going backwards. And I don't necessarily read Scripture backwards. Um, and, and this is what Psalm said, you, you brought a vine out of Egypt, you drove out the nations and planted it, you cleared the ground for it and it took root and filled the land, the mountains were covered with his shade, the mighty cedars with his branches, it sent out um, bros to the sea and shot as far as the river, why have you broken down its walls so that all who pass by pick its grapes? Boars from the forest ravage it, and creatures in the, uh, in the field feed on it. Return to us, O God Almighty. Look down from heaven and see. Watch over this vine, the root you have planted, the sun you have raised up for yourself. Interesting. The root you have planted, the sun you have raised up for yourself, happens to be this vine. And now Jesus says, I am the vine. They took this metaphor so seriously in Israel that they had a gold vineyard next to the temple. And Josephus, the, the Roman um, historian, records that in 70 AD, when the temple was ransacked, and they took all the gold uh, from this vine, and all the treasures from this vine, it depressed the value of gold in Syria by half because it flooded the world market with gold. They took it so seriously, they had this vineyard that represented Israel. And Jesus came and simply said, they would have all seen this. In fact, uh, a few chapters earlier in, in John chapter 13 is during the time of foot washing. And before the time of ceremonial foot washing, we know that they went and bathed ceremonially in the baths of the temple. And so they would have walked straight past this vineyard, straight into where they're talking with Jesus and Jesus now says, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener, and you are the branches. I am the vine, the one that was raised up. I am the vine. So this was an extremely valuable um, analogy for all of Israel. Israel would have gotten this. They, the people would have understood that they saw themselves as this vine, this vineyard that God had planted. But now Jesus says, I am the source of all this power. In fact, your branches don't go out without me. And if you're not connected to the vine, if you lose your source of power, you cease to be what you're supposed to be. I'm going to plug this back in because I really like this lamp. But you cease to be what you're supposed to be if you lose your source of power. There are so many ways to, that we look at. It, it, there are so many books that are written on discipleship. 
There's so many books. I mean, and they, they all describe ways to be better disciples and, and five things that you could do and, and, and 20 ways that you could change your life and 10 ways to be a better leader and, and five ways to follow Jesus better. There's all these books. I have some of them in my office, but really none of them get at the heart of what John 15 gets at and what Jesus says. You simply just need to be near me. Proximity matters. You simply need to draw near to God. And how do we do that? Well, through prayer, through, through fellowship with other believers, through getting connected with other people who are also connected to the vine through accountability, through reading the Bible, through Sabbath rest. How do we do this? I mean, simply some of the ways that Jesus did, right? Some of the ways that Jesus taught his disciples to. So one of the true marks of a disciple, and if you get absolutely nothing else, I know this is so elementary and simple. But I was reminded of this this past week as I was reading through this, and it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Am I near Jesus? Do I have head knowledge? Do I read some books? Do I, um, you know, figure out some theological information that might be cool and fun for me to read? But am I near Jesus? That's the true mark of a disciple, is that you are simply near and have access to the teacher's life. And you have access to it. I mean, in beautiful ways, it was written out so well in the Gospels. Maybe as you lead up to Easter, you simply read through the book of Mark. It's a shorter book. Maybe as we're leading up to Easter, you simply take a passage each day of the, the crucifixion or the resurrection of Christ, and you go through that. I don't know however you decide to do it, because God has wired us all so differently. There's some really good books like, like uh, Spiritual Disciplines books or, or a book called Pathways that just sort of help you decipher and figure out how do you best connect with God. But proximity matters. If you're just relying on batteries that you come up and charge every now and then, guess what? Your batteries are going to die. You can run like that for a little bit. I mean, it works. That's a way to do it. You could do it. And, and, and you can plug it in. You're like, okay, I'm just running on, uh, you know, pull, unplug and say, I'm just running on batteries here. Just running on sheer fumes. But that's not the way God designed it. God designed us to be close to the vine. God designed us to not be able to live without being connected to the vine because he says the, the, the branches that aren't producing anything, you'll just lop right off and throw them into the fire. They'll wither and die. But the branches that are doing good, the branches that are actually producing something, he'll prune. Now, I didn't really get this. I hate yard work. I hated doing it when I was a kid. My parents are here, and they could totally attest to that. I, was, I, I just couldn't stand it. I'd, I'd rather do other things, but... Um, they forced me to do it, so I did it. It was brutal and repressive. I can say anything. I've got the microphone. It was awful. I'm kidding. I like embarrassing them when they're here. It makes me feel like a good son. Anyways, one of the things about pruning is that you've got to cut off the good stuff. I never understood it. My mom and dad taught me how to prune our rose bushes, and I was like, we're cutting off perfectly good flowers here. I never got it. I was like, why would you do that? They're perfectly good, they look nice, but sometimes you've got to cut those off to make way for something better. So what seems like suffering, what seems like hurt, what seems like pain, 
might actually be pruned. And you can't be pruned unless you're close to your source of power. You smell what I'm stepping in. You've got to be close to Jesus in order for greater things to occur, in order for greater things to happen. Sometimes it just happens by resting in Christ. There's a difference between Sabbath rest and going on vacation. Going on vacation is wonderful. I recommend everybody do that with their families. It is literally some of the best times I've had getting close to my family and really formed my identity as a person, as a child, was going camping and going on vacation and and really learning more about who I was. And my parents allowed me to develop my own identity. And it was a great time in my life. But there's a difference between Sabbath rest and going on vacation. Going on vacation might be fun and, and, and things like that. But Sabbath rest is actually remembering our own salvation. Flip with me to Deuteronomy chapter 5. I don't hear Bible flipping. You're all on the app. You're all on the Bible app. Thanks, Paul. Thank you. At least make the page sounds. <laughs> I can't tell. <laughs> Deuteronomy chapter 5, there's two places where the Ten Commandments are talked about or are, are, are recorded. Um, actually, they talked about it in a few other places too. But one of the big things about Deuteronomy is that Deuteronomy is retelling this story to a different generation. And so the commandment for Sabbath is a little bit different in, in Deuteronomy's version than in Exodus's version because they didn't have to explain it in the first generation. They were there. They lived through it. But this is a second generation of, of, of kids, and so they have to explain it a little bit. Deuteronomy chapter 5, uh, verse 12. Observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy as the Lord your God has commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it... You shall not do any work, neither you nor your sons nor your daughters nor your maidservant nor your maidservant nor your ox nor your monkey. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I totally misread that. Donkey. That was a legitimate um, mistake. Nor your donkey or any of your animals nor the alien within your gates so that your maidservant and your maidservant may, uh, may rest as you do. And this, here's where it gets to the heart of the matter. Remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath. Now, God rested when he created the universe. I mean, seven day, or six days he made it, and then seventh day he rested. But now there's this correlation. Remember your pain. Remember what you were saved from. When you rest, remember that you were brought out of this. Remember as you draw near to the vine. Because I think a lot of times our lives are so busy that we, we have to treat it like this. Because we have so many meetings and so many things. We just <clears throat> unplug. And we go to meeting after meeting after meeting. And we go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And sometimes we just need to intentionally rest to get it. And when we rest, we need to remember that God designed us to be connected to our source of power. And that not only that God did this on purpose, but that sometimes the only way to even get closer to this source of power, to God, to the vine, is by resting. 
is by taking a breather, is by taking a day and intentionally kicking back and relaxing and remembering what you were saved from. Remember the life that you previously lived and how grateful you are that God took you out of it. Some um, rabbis say that keeping the Sabbath is so important. Um, They said this, the, the guy named Rabbi Yaki said that if Israel were to observe two consecutive Sabbaths, the world would be redeemed. Another rabbi, Yaki, I can't even say his name. I just say the word Johnson because it's my last name when I can't read names. He went on to say, he who observes the Sabbath is prescribed by law. Um, is for, I'm sorry, he who per, observes the Sabbath as prescribed by law is forgiven even if he practices idolatry. Now, not that I'm telling you that what these rabbis say is is totally true. What I'm telling you is this view of Sabbath from the Jewish tradition was that it was so important that you were even forgiven for the most egregious sins that you practice Sabbath. What I'm telling you is that when you practice Sabbath in the way that God originally intended it, we draw close and near to our source of power. And when we draw close and near to our source of power, we get pruned. And, and it might seem like you need to be close in order to be pruned because if you're not close, you're not connected. And, if, and when you're pruned, that means something greater is going to grow out of that cut. Something more beautiful, something better is coming as a result. So like I said, we could teach through John chapter 15 super carefully and super exegetically correct. But what really matters in all of this, and I think the heart of what Jesus is trying to say and trying to ask us is, are you connected to your creator? Are you near Jesus? Because proximity matters here. So how do we respond to all this? In the bulletin, you'll see the guide to abide, and I recommend having family conversation through all of that. Asking yourselves the tough questions. I mean, do we, do we rest regularly as a family? Do I make time for my creator in the mornings? Am I breathing prayer? Am I recognizing that God is my creator all throughout my day? Two, one of the things that Jesus said is that if you remain in me, then ask. Now, he says it twice in the 17 verses that we read. If you remain in me, ask. And then when you're close, ask. The thing is, we see that and we think mixed motives. We're like, ha ha, I'm going to get Jesus to do this. But the, the heart of the matter is when you're close to Jesus and when you're remaining in Jesus, your motives start to look a lot like Jesus' motives. Your thoughts begin to look a lot like Jesus' thoughts. Your heart starts to look a lot like Jesus' heart. And so the things you pray for probably aren't going to be selfish, but probably would be to grow the kingdom and to advance God's kingdom in your family and in your life. So when you get that near and your motives will begin to change and God simply says, ask and it will be given. Number three, maybe you're here today and you're living exactly like this cell phone. Sinner. I just called my cell phone out. Maybe you're living just like that. 
you take your batteries and you get them plugged in and then you walk away. And then you plug your batteries in and then you walk away. And repeating week after week after week and you just say, I never get filled up. I never feel whole and complete. Maybe that's you. I'd invite you to just stay closer to your source of power. Pastor Earl and, and, and the Sandersons lead a group that can help you with this on Sundays. They, they discuss the sermon topic, and it's supposed to, to challenge you and fire you up for the week. There are different home groups. Tina Burton does one on Tuesdays. We have um, Sunday morning, more Sunday morning Bible studies coming um, the 15th of April, like Pastor Earl said. Um, we have a men's group that can help you with accountability and get connected. We have women's events happening. We have youth and children's ministries. And guess what? Your kids will keep you accountable. It's the craziest thing. Um, it, it, it's, it's amazing. There, we, we've got ways. We've got method. And it works. But really, the reality of it, the heart of the matter is proximity matters. Did you hear me? I've said it like six times. Proximity matters. Are you close to Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, we want to draw near to you. God, in ways that, I mean, we haven't even yet to imagine. God, we want to be close to you. And, and Father, you've provided that way by sending your Son. And God, even when the disciples were freaking out and saying, oh God, where are you going? We, we need you. You provided a way and sent your spirit that you want all of us to have. And so God, we know that proximity matters. So Lord, we ask for a fresh moving of your Holy Spirit. God, we ask that you would reside in us in such a powerful way that we, may, we would remain powerfully connected to you, just as a branch is powerfully connected to a vine. God, so that we could be close to our source of life. Father, for those of us acting just like this cell phone, acting like battery, like we're just coming here to charge our batteries, God, forgive us of that. Lord, we repent of that. We change our mind of that. God, and lead us to be connected to you at all times. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.